Hello, welcome to Flour, Butter, Eggs, Sugar. My name's Kate and I am the host of this podcast, which is for home bakers by another home baker. And I'm, and I'm recording this in my small London kitchen. So hello, hello, hello. And um, Merry Christmas, uh, Happy Holidays, etc, etc. Happy New Year when you get there. Um, so this episode is all about the chocolate Yule log. And as usual, I'm going to be talking a little bit about my week in baking. Then I'm going to talk very very briefly about the history of the Yule Log. Then I will be talking about a recipe that I followed. And for once, I actually followed a recipe properly, which is incredible. Uh, and do stay tuned to see how it turns out, because I am really clumsy. Um, so rolling a cake was a new thing to me. And I can't wait to talk to you about it. Let's get started. So I'm going to begin by talking a little bit about my week in baking, what I've been eating, what I've been making. So I'm going to start by um, talking about biscotti, which was the episode last week. My partner took some to her work, which were a hit, I think. I think people really enjoyed them. I took a few to my work, but just for me, and they made a really, really nice snack, especially dipped in a cup of tea. One thing is that they didn't keep quite as well as I'd hoped. So after about four or five days, they were a little bit soft. So I wondered if I just hadn't baked them in the second bake for long enough. If I cut them a bit thick, maybe both. But they weren't quite as uh, kind of well keeping as I would uh, as I would have thought they'd be. I also attempted to make vegan bis- biscotti on a, a weeknight, vegan biscotti. And this was using the recipe that I shared last week for this, um, which is from the Spruce Eats. It was a complete disaster, <laughs> but it wasn't the recipe's fault. So what I often do with online recipes is I, I'll like write them out and that helps me to... I remember the steps of the recipe better, so I'm not constantly checking it, and the quantities, and it also just means that I've there, then got it in front of me and not on my phone. But this time I did actually copy everything out correctly, but when I was mixing it, I forgot to put in the sugar. <laughs> um, I thought it was a bit weird, like I was like, well, this doesn't isn't going to be sweet enough, so I added a bit of extra agave nectar or syrup whatever you call it but it still was not sweet enough so I think this is a good recipe because it actually baked well and um and everything like that but it just wasn't as sweet as it should be so I think it's definitely not my fault it's the it's sorry it's definitely not it's definitely my fault not the recipes but yeah it was quite weird without enough sugar so don't be like me do try that spruce eats recipe because it has got good reviews 
and I think it would be good but um, only if you actually add the sugar like it tells you to um, so don't be like me actually check that all your ingredients are in the dough before you put it in the oven um, that would be a good idea um, so yeah that was that was biscotti um, I made last weekend just a kind of basic loaf to keep me going. I usually have toast as my breakfast. So I made a kind of mix of white and wholemeal loaf, just following just following my normal kind of conventional yeast recipe. Yeah, that was good. Something I've started doing is uh, I put oil on the top and also to grease the tin as well. But I started putting oil on the top and then it um, gets a really nice shine. I suppose you could actually egg wash it, but it, that's more expensive so um, and less convenient. So yeah, I've started sort of oiling the top and then it gets a nice kind of golden shine and a nice, a nice crust. I've also been enjoying mince pies from two episodes ago. Um, I put lots, I baked them and then I put lots in the freezer. And I found that they reheat beautifully in a hot oven from frozen for about 10 minutes. So I, I put my my oven on about gas six, which is about 200 degrees C. Um, and then I, yeah, chuck in, well, I don't chuck them in. I put a few um, pies on a baking tray um, and put them in the sort of middle shelf. My gas oven is really, really bad. So I think in a normal oven, it's probably a better better oven. It's probably more like 190C or gas five. But yeah, sort of moderately hot oven for about 10 minutes. They are really small. So if they were bigger, that you'd need to do it for longer. But that seems to be perfect. And the pastry, the Jocelyn Dimbleby orange pastry is just outstanding. It is so good. And I have been enjoying those with... Um, well, I, I, we did have some brandy cream in the house and then recently I bought some brandy clotted cream, which is phenomenal because it's kind of the, for me, it's like the best of both worlds between a kind of butter and a cream. I just absolutely love clotted cream. So yeah, they can't, you can't really go wrong as far as I'm concerned. Yesterday I made a soda bread with uh, beer rather than rather than buttermilk, which is what I normally would use. Um, that was really, really good. It was very strong, actually. Um, it tasted very strongly of the beer, although it's quite a, it's quite a flavourful beer that I used. Um, so that is something to be aware of if you want to try that out. But I just basically used my normal soda bread recipe, which is sort of like 350 grams of flour. I usually do a mix of wholemeal and white. Um, and half a teaspoon of bicarbonate of soda. And then about 300 milliliters or so of buttermilk. And I use beer instead. Um, now I found that through Googling, the pH of beer is roughly the same as buttermilk. Maybe slightly... Um, slightly higher actually which means higher is it higher or is it lower I don't know but anyway um 
slightly more acidic is what I'm talking about. So it had a really, really good rise, actually. Um, I I did underbake it a bit, so it was a little bit doughy at the top. In fact, raw in places, so that wasn't great. But uh, the bits that were edible <laughs> were very nice. And we, well, my partner made uh, cheese, grilled cheese out of it, which is really nice. So that's something to be recommended but do make sure it's baked properly everything bakes from the bottom in my oven so i think i might next time flip it over for five minutes once the crust has been established at, you know at the end of the normal baking time or i might just like give it a little bit longer you know so yeah but that in general that was a good idea just wasn't perfectly executed and as I say, it was quite strong. You could do sort of half beer and half water or something maybe. Um, but Or half beer and a bit of natural yoghurt or something like that. I did, as I say, I was using quite a strong beer. It was um, a brew dog one. I think it was called Lost Lager. So it was very flavourful, but you wouldn't really want to spread it with like jam. That would be very weird. But it worked sort of savoury things. Um, yeah, worth a try. Things I've been eating, things I didn't make. So uh, at the start of the week, um, colleague and friend Michelle, um, she happened to be leaving. Sad times, very, very uh, upset about this. But she did treat us to a boozy Jamaican Christmas cake, which seemed to be soaked with a substantial amount of rum. Not that I was complaining. <laughs> and it was really delicious. I much preferred it to normal Christmas cake, which I'm not really a fan of. And it had in it blended fruit. Um, so which means it wasn't like bits. The fruit was kind of mushed. Um, that's it sounds nicer than mushed. I mean it was nicer than than mushed is not really the right word, but you know what I mean. So it's a bit less bitty and it was a little bit more like a sort of moist ginger cake I guess but you could taste the fruit you also could taste the booze and it was spiced so it was really great all round um, and also my neighbour um, recently gave us some honey biscuits which I think are a Bulgarian thing she's Bulgarian so she sometimes gives us kind of um, Bulgarian bakes and yeah these are really good they're sort of pop it in. You can kind of eat about ten if you're not if you're not if you're not careful. Um, and they're a fairly dry biscuit, so they would they hold shape really well, and they are good dipped in tea. Um, they're a nice little snack, um, so they're they're they were good too. And the spicing was really interesting. They weren't that sweet, and the spicing like. Definitely there was something that I often will taste in savoury bakes or savoury dishes, like maybe some like ground coriander or something like that. I could just taste that. Um, yeah, but they, they were they were really nice. Just uh, like I haven't really tried something like that before. So, yeah, very yummy. OK, so I'm going to now get into talking a little bit about the history of the Yule Log. So, the history of the Yule Log. 
well, um, at school I've been doing a little bit of sort of Christmas traditions history, um, which has been quite interesting. I teach religion, so it kind of links in nicely. Um, and I have been learning actually a bit about the sort of pre-Christian pagan traditions, um, which has been, yeah, quite fascinating. And a lot of the green things that we have around Christmas, like Christmas trees, Christmas wreaths, holly, a lot of that seems to be associated with um, the idea that spring is coming, that things will be green again. So we have we use evergreen plants to kind of celebrate that. Um, and of course, um, winter solstice is about all about celebrating the end of the midwinter um, and the kind of coming of spring. So the Yule log is seems to be part of kind of northern European um, pagan traditions, maybe comes from the Saxons, um, potentially, um, but it's sort of persisted a bit longer in um, kind of Nordic countries. And the Yule log itself, according to the website Why Christmas, was actually a whole tree that was burnt throughout the 12 days of Christmas, which start on Christmas Day. And... Um, but I, I think, I presume that you wouldn't just have a whole tree lying in your living room, that you would probably chop it into 12 and then burn one one log each day. There are also some regional variations, again, according to the same website. So apparently in Cornwall, it's called the Mock. Um, and in Devon and Somerset, they use ash twigs instead of a tree. And I've also seen various... Um, bits and bobs of information saying that people might uh, sprinkle this and that on them, like wine, spices, it seems like a waste of spices, but anyway, just to make it smell really nice and Christmassy. The actual uh, bouche de Noël, or the kind of cake, uh, <laughs> cake Yule log, um is probably from France and Belgium. And the first known recipe um, is from 1895. And it's by a Parisian pastry chef called Pierre Lequin. And this was in the book Le Mémorial Historique et Géographique de la Pâtisserie. So one presumes that it's be, it was going a lot longer than 1895 if it's in a historic um, book, because that's what historique means, obviously. Um, and the other thing is that they may have become more pop, they may have become very popular in the kind of 19th century, um, because there was a lot of romanticisation of the countryside during the kind of industrial revolution um, in France, apparently, as well as Britain. I was aware more of this happening in Britain. If you look at kind of, I'm a, I'm a bit of a lefty. If you look at kind of socialist art around that time, there is a lot of kind of pastoral scenes. There is a lot in other types of art as well, actually, like children dancing in nature and uh, people dancing around a, um, a maypole and um, there's a sort of um, 
yeah, romanticization of uh, pastoral life, which people sort of saw as a break from the hard realities of factory work and smog in the cities and, and things like that. So um, they may have become popular partly because of that kind of romanticization. So the, the sort of Yule log reminds you of like the good old days that never really existed because we were peasants. But you know what I mean? Like those, the days when we lived off the land and we had, um, we burnt trees and we worshipped uh, multiple gods. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's probably my ancestors to do them anyway. So yeah, that's a little bit of history about the Yule log. Next, I'm going to be diving into the recipe that I used and how this worked out. And you won't want to miss this because I am a klutz. So um, this was this was an experience for me. So let me start by saying that this is a good recipe, a really good recipe. Um, it comes from the Cupcake Gemma channel. Um, Cupcake Gemma is a kind of popular YouTube um, channel with lots of baking tutorials. Um, and Cupcake Gemma herself actually has um, one or two bakeries in London, which are called Crumbs, Crumbs and Doilies. Uh, but actually the channel is sort of mostly now fronted by um, Sally Dells, who is, I think, head of kitchen at the bakery. Um, and she's got a really nice, easy, easygoing style. She's very good at explaining, explaining and showing you how to do things. So um, that was really helpful, especially in a recipe that I kind of found daunting because I knew I was going to have to roll cake at some point. It was nice just to have a calm voice explaining all of the steps to you. Um, so I that I really appreciated that. And it's great that they share their recipes too. So um, it starts with six large eggs, which in the UK, large is about 60 grams. So I think in some countries, um, such as the US, I think that's actually extra large. Uh, these have to be separated into two big bowls. Um, you also need 150 grams of caster sugar, uh, but you will need to separate that. So 120 grams is going to go with the with the yolks and then the remaining 30 grams is going to go with the whites. There's also 50 grams of cocoa powder, a pinch of salt and half a teaspoon of vanilla extract. And yeah, this is a good one for gluten-free, gluten-free babes, um, gluten-free gang, because there is no flour in it. Um, and this is a very sort of beautiful chiffon cake, uh, incredibly light. So the method is that you beat the yolks with the 120 grams of sugar, of caster sugar. Um, and you also beat the whites to soft peaks and then you whisk in the 30 grams of sugar to, to stiff peaks. And actually, I think I did this the other way around to what she suggests um, because I know that you want scrupulously clean whisk um, and a scrupulously clean bowl for your whites um, and it doesn't matter as much for your yolks and I just couldn't be bothered to to wash the whisks in between. So I actually beat the whites. I added a pinch of cream of tartar just to um, 
help stabilize them while I was doing other stuff. Um, and so I could just sort of leave them out. So I beat those whites to soft peaks, whisked in the 30 grams of sugar and then carried on beating to stiff peaks, which didn't take much longer. Um, <laughs> stiff peaks means that you can, it, the, if you pull up the whisk through the, at the, through the whites, they will sort of stand up quite well. Whereas soft meat peaks means that a, fe- a peak will form, but then it will kind of fall softly. So that's what those instructions mean. Um, you probably know that already, but anyway, just in case. Um, so yeah, so I beat in my I beat my whites, then my yolks. Um, then I sifted my cocoa into the yolks, and just kind of stirred them in with a spatula. Um, it seemed kind of dry. But actually, it was perfect when it was baked. So don't worry about that. Um, and then I folded in my whites with a metal, large metal spoon. Um, and this is just so you knock out as little air as possible. That's why I use a, we use a metal spoon usually in folding. Because it's sort of edges thinner. So it kind of cuts through um, and you sort of fold it in nicely and as usual this is what I nearly always do on folding I folded it in in thirds um so yeah this was really really good you definitely need two big bowls because six large egg whites is a lot of um white and it beats up to really quite large and then you have to obviously fold that in so you need another big bowl to <laughs> to cope with the amount of mixture um you then put it into a scrupulously greased lined baking tray or Swiss roll tin. Um, so you have to basically grease the tin, then put parchment paper in it or baking paper. Um, and Sally gave us a really good tip here in the video, which is that if you cut out little squares um, <clears throat> for each corner, it just goes really nicely in the tin. So that, I found that really, really helpful. Um, so yeah, that's what I did. And then I, and then you have to grease it again. Um, so she uses baking spray, but I don't usually have any. So, um, and it's not, sorry, Sally, but it's not the most environmentally friendly thing. Um, you basically have to throw it in the, in the, in the um, as far as I'm aware, you have to sort of throw it in the, general landfill so I chose to use just my butter that I already had anyway instead um yeah but I buttered the parchment after it had already been but after the other side had already been buttered um and then I very gently dolloped that into the tin I used a slightly smaller tin than she calls for um, I think she probably uses a baking tray because I couldn't really find any Swiss roll tins that were that size, but I used a slightly smaller tin and it worked fine. So don't be afraid about that. Um, you can mostly fill the tin. Um, it's probably not going to like, uh, flow over because the egg whites keep it all well, really well bi- bound, binded. Um, 
but you don't want to go right to the top because then it might actually overflow, I reckon. Um, so yeah, you can kind of use your judgment about that. I didn't scrape the bowl because there was quite a lot of mixture. So, but I think you can use a slightly smaller tin here. And you put that into a fairly hot oven for baking. So 190C or um, 170 fan, which I think is what she did. Or about gas five. Um, I put mine on a high shelf and I did gas six. Just because my oven is so weird that I choose to do that sometimes. I find it burns things less. Uh, so that's what I did. Then you take it out and cool it, let it cool for two minutes. So I just popped it on the top of my oven and switched the oven off. And then it just, it does sink down a little bit, but not to worry, it's still very, very light. And that's normal. Um, then she says to, to just sort of gently pull away the cake, if like from the tin but I don't really need to do that personally mine seemed to be good and <clears throat> then to flip it onto a um a uh tea towel that you've like dusted with icing sugar I think that's what she said she does um now right this is where I had some issues uh so I very, very bravely flipped it and I had to be really careful because the tin was still a little bit hot even after three minutes of cooling. So I waited another sort of 30 seconds. I think it's just because I was using quite a thick tin and metal took a bit longer to cool down. Um, and I just flipped it straight out, but I was terrified. Um, <laughs> but I did it. And it came out in one piece. So that was great. But I was honestly so nervous about it. Um, so yeah, you do that. And then you um, proceed to sort of roll it up with something inside it, like a tea towel. Now, I've got two suggestions here. So when I roll, took mine out of its roll... I found that quite a lot of it was trying to stay on the tea towel. So I think in future I would just use parchment to, but I would probably, I think I quite liked the weight of the tea towel and how much control it gave me. So I think I'd probably go for the best of both worlds and do a tea towel, then parchment on top of that, then the cake and then another piece of parchment. And you need to remove very carefully the parchment you baked it in. Use a new one because otherwise you won't be able to get the parchment off it when it's unrolled. So you do have to use a fresh piece of parchment. And I'm sorry for the environmental impact, but I think it would be advisable to use a piece of parchment on the bottom and top. Because I did, like I say, find it really hard to get it off the tea towel as as successfully as I wanted it to. Um, so I did have a few issues there. A lot of other recipes do call for you to roll it up in parchment. So I think it's a good idea. I did use parchment on the top um, and it worked really well. Um, but I used like the tea towel for, to just add a bit of extra control 
and help me kind of um, roll it a bit. So, so actually, I think you can use both and then that's sort of the best of both worlds, I would say. Um, so you have to roll it up when it's still warm. And I think this just helps set the crumb um, in a kind of roll rolled position. Um, and obviously it's things are more pliable when they're warm usually. So um, this worked really phenomenally well. And the cake texture of the sort of chiffon cake was absolutely perfect for, for this um, method. And I would, there's some recipes that I've seen that just call for you to roll it up cold. But no, I think it's really worth rolling it up warm. I think it gave a much neater roll, especially for a sort of novice like me. I think it was a really good idea and really successful. Um, my roll wasn't quite as um, big and, uh, and beautiful as uh, Sally's, but I think that's partly because my tin was a bit smaller. Partly it's just practice and skill. <laughs> but yeah, but it was a still really, really nice roll. So I was still really happy with it. So you have to leave that cake to cool fully to room temperature while it's in that rolled position. And while you're doing that, you can get on with making the various creams. So I made um, a whipped cream with a with a, just a teaspoon of icing sugar in it, which is what was called for. And she suggests um, at, towards the end of beating your cream, adding a teaspoon of brandy, but we don't have any. So I added... Um, I added a teaspoon of Chambord, which is a raspberry liqueur. But I could have added, I think, a teaspoon of Kahlua, which I also have in the house, which I think would have worked well. I reckon basically any liqueur that goes well with chocolate would work. Um, that goes well with chocolate and cream would work here. So do feel free to just use what you've got rather than buying a massive bottle of expensive alcohol just for like a teaspoon. Um, seems a bit needless. Um, or you could just leave it out. But yeah, that worked really nicely. Um, and I beat that my cream um, till it was pretty, uh, like, pretty well whipped. You know, it was retaining shapes really well. Then I shoved that in the fridge. Then I made my ganache, which was 100 grams of butter, 100 grams of chocolate. Um, they called for 50%, but I didn't have any. So I used instead... Um, a 35% milk chocolate that I've got with a teaspoon of cocoa powder. That was quite nice. It was quite a light cream. Maybe if you want a richer cake, I think you could use dark chocolate instead, but it was quite nice. Um, and you melt those together just in a microwave or a bain-marie gently, making sure that you don't burn it. And then I used salted butter as well, which I thought was good, by the way. Then you pour in sort of 100 grams of cream. I used a bit more just because cream comes in 150 ml tubs, um, which apparently is about 133, milliliter, uh, 133 grams in weight or something like that um, for double cream. So I just plopped a whole thing in. Then you have to leave that to cool. Um, so I shoved that in the fridge before whipping. Um, 
And I did those two things that way round again because I couldn't be bothered to wash the um, beaters again. So uh, I thought, well, this the ganache has got cream in it, whereas I don't want to make my beautiful white cream brown. So I did the cream first, then the ganache. Um, yeah. So once the ganache was was cool, you then beat it. Um, you whisk it with electric beaters um, until you've got a really light consistency. And it was absolutely beautiful. And there was a little bit left over after I'd iced the, the Yule log, which did not go to waste. It went straight in our, in our gobs <laughs> from the bowl. <laughs> so, yeah, that was uh, very, very nice. So when the cake has cooled, it's then time to assemble. So you roll it out. Um, then you spread it with cream. You don't roll it out. You just sort of, you know, you unroll it and let it fall. You spread it with the cream using a an offset palette knife, um, a small one preferably. Uh, then you roll that up gently. Um to quite a tight roll as tight as you can get it then you put it on what you like the surface that you're going to ice it on um and then you start icing it with the ganache um again using an offset palette knife i just gave mine a wipe and carried on using it um yeah it was fantastic really good quite easy to ice uh, I'm quite clumsy, so but it wasn't too bad. We did have to go around and tidy it up afterwards, um, but that was fine. Um, the other thing that she asks you to do, which I've seen in other recipes too, which was a really nice idea, is you cut off the end, one of the ends at an angle and stick it onto the side so it looks like another branch. That was quite a nice touch, I thought. Um, and then she, she doesn't suggest this, but I do like this because I, I just, it's just tradition to me. I did kind of fork, fork it, fork through the icing to make it look more like bark. And I also did some swirls at the end to make them look a bit more like rings, like tree rings that you'd get from a log. So yeah, I really enjoyed making this. At times I was terrified, but it all worked out in the end. There, it did have a really nice swirl, beautiful swirl, and I think the the whiteness of the cream really helps show the swirl. Um, the flavour was beautiful. Um, the textures are beautiful. It's so unbelievably light, really moist. It's just really, really delicious. Um, I think if you wanted to add some twists, you could. So. Um, she suggests making little meringue mushrooms to decorate it. I didn't do that. We did have a bit of fondant, so my partner made some fondant holly, which looked quite cute. Um, in terms of like, oh yeah, we also dusted it with icing sugar to look like snow and added a bit of glitter, which I happened to have. We had some white glitter, so we added that. That looked beautiful too. You could, in terms of flavour... You could maybe try adding a bit of raspberry jam in the middle. That might be quite nice. 
You could add uh, cherries soaked in kirsch, maybe just to serve it with, so you get a nice swirl on the side. You could ser- you could serve those maybe. Um, yeah, I think any kind of berry really would be good with this. Um, but it's perfect as it is really as well. It's really, really delicious. So we just had it exactly how it was, ate it with a cake fork. It was brilliant, really, really good. So I really strongly recommend this recipe. I will link to it on the website. Um, Go and look at the video because it's quite helpful. But the one thing I would do differently is that I would use parchment paper instead of, well, as well as a tea towel because I just found that the cake stuck too much to the tea towel. Yeah, so that's it. Um, Thank you very, very much for listening. Thank you to my sister Ruth for providing our jingle. Happy baking. Merry Christmas. Joyeux uh, Noël. Feliz Navidad. Happy holidays. Um, I could go on and on, but I'll just stop there. And um, Happy New Year. And um, I'll see you next time. So I'm going to take a break for Christmas. I'm going to have an episode off. I might do a little short episode in between. And then I'm going to be looking at some sort of epiphany cake. So let me know if you've got any suggestions. But I'm looking for something almondy um to uh, and something that's traditionally eaten at Epiphany, uh which is the feast of the wise men. Because I just love almonds and I think I want to just milk the most that I can out of Christmas this year because it has been a crap year. So, um, sorry for the language, but it has for everybody, I think. So, um, that's what is coming next. And then after that, I'm going to start getting into sort of New Year's baking. Then it'll be my birthday. I'm going to be 32. I'm going to make some sort of ridiculous elaborate cake for that. Um, and yeah, thank you so much again for listening. Happy baking. Take care. Bye. So this is a quick PS for my vegan huns, because even though this cake, this episode was really good for gluten-free huns, it was not good for vegans due to the butter, cream and eggs, um, obviously. So I've got a few suggestions for you if you are a vegan hun. You could just Google chocolate Swiss roll recipes and see what looks good, see what's got good reviews. The best ones will use aquafaba or aka chickpea water um you really need the structure um that would you would get in non-vegan baking from the egg whites so the best vegan recipes will probably use that i saw an extremely curious recipe from dr Oka, so that's worth having a look at it uses uh squash puree to give the cake some body um so that was very interesting I don't know how well it would would work, but I presume that they have got lots of like food technologists that they employ to make recipes. So it's probably it probably would work. Um, and otherwise, in terms of vegan baking, um, Nigella has quite a lot of really good vegan recipes, actually. But one of them that she has been putting up on her Instagram recently is her gingerbread recipe. And this is a a gingerbread that's a cake rather than the gingerbread that's a biscuit. Um, notice uh, non-UK people that 
neither of the gingerbreads that we commonly have here are bread. So it makes complete sense. But anyway, this is a cakey thing, not a not a biscuity thing. Um, and it's really, really good. I've made it before. She's got some serving suggestions as well. So she suggests sweetening a bit of oatly creme fresh, having it with that. You could have it uh, with, she also suggests serving it with pomegranates, pomegranate seeds. Um, I think she also suggests serving it with a bit of date, date syrup or date molasses. So I think that's a really good shout if you want to do a bit of vegan Christmas baking. Nigella's vegan gingerbread recipe is lit. So those are just a few suggestions from me. Um, Let me know if you try any of them. And happy baking, vegan huns. Take care. Um, I'll put all these up on the website, obviously, flowerbutterextrugar.wordpress.com, as always. And happy baking. Bye.